Hi, and welcome to My Heart Remembers. I'm the temporary new host, Dakota Langtree, substituting for Zena Haggerty. And this week I'm talking to somebody who um, I, I had heard him speak before a couple of times and just like instantly developed a great deal of respect for um, a serious level of contemplation to his artwork. And uh, some really, really beautiful explorations that he's made in the art world. And, um, you know, rather than have me go on about how wonderful he is, it's Ronnie Zulu, um, tattoo artist, fine painter. And um, and here he is. Ronnie, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you prefer to go by Ronnie or Zulu? I never know. Some people call me Ronnie, but most people know me just as Zulu. I like it. Perfect. So tattooing's been your primary art form, or was that where you began? It uh, developed into a primary career for about 30 years of my life. It was the primary. And mm -hmm. I also had other things going on, but that was my yeah. vocation. Uh -huh. It's one of the things that I like is every time I see a photograph of you, I'm like, Oh, look at all of those musical instruments. Look at all of these paintbrushes here. Look at that banjo there. It's it's clear that you're exploring a lot of wonderful things all the time, which is, you know, a really amazing thing to be, you know, broad in such things. Well, I, I find there to be quite a crossover between all those. I'm sure anyone who is an artist, they probably have a little music in them. They have a little of a poet in them. There's a little bard in them. There's a little small bit of a dancer in them. I think that <laughs> creativity crosses all of those. Yeah. And, and, and like for, for me, you know, um, I, I like to think of my art that I'm able to do as, you know, controlling a camera and editing video, that kind of stuff. And, and so like the things that I imagine that I'm good at, it's more about the practice, you know, and getting into, the space where I can feel comfortable in the doing. So, you know, so if I pick up a guitar, which I haven't done recently until I've done it a little bit more and regain my comfort, I'm probably not going to be, you know, in that place where I can get into the zone with it. And I, I'm kind of curious about for you, um, knowing you're a person that understands and engages in rituals of, of varying forms, are there rituals when you approach these kinds of things to get yourself into this kind of space? Uh, there definitely are. And there are some that um, you might not think they are ritual, but they are. Let's say if I'm going to sit down and play my oud, an oud is an African uh, guitar. Mm. I have to sit down, first of all, I have to tune it before I play it. That right there is preparation in ritual, which is something that most people who play an instrument, they have to do. They have to tune mm -hmm. it. Even if they just played it, you know, this morning, they will sit down and check the intonation. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you are now putting yourself in a different mindset as if you were watching TV or just, you know, sitting outside or doing anything. You're about to, uh, I'm sorry, but without sounding cheesy, you're about to become one with this instrument. Basically, you want this instrument to be an extension of you, just mm -hmm. as when you paint or anything. So you prepare yourself, you tune the instrument, 
you attune yourself to the instrument and then you begin to play. So there are there's that ritual that we all go through, whether we call it ritual or not. And mm-hmm. um, there's certain rituals that I do go through if I'm going to sit down and um, play my oud. I um, I have I like to have a particular beverage, maybe some tea and whatnot, and I sit in a particular chair that I like, and I put myself in a surrounding that will be complementary to what I'm going to do, just as I would not take my oud and just play it at the mall, you know, mm-hmm. at the yeah. food court. Uh, I want it to be in a situation that it's all going to resonate. So it's going to be more about the whole experience as opposed to me just playing the oud. Yeah. And it it gives you comfort and safety as well, you know, and just knowing what the expectations of the externalities are within that space as well. Definitely. I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. Yeah. Like you're not about to be jumped by somebody. There's no wild animals around, mm-hmm. even at its most simple, having walls around you, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I'm not going to be judged by anyone. I'm, I'm playing yeah. for myself. Uh, there would be a different preparation if I was going to go live on stage as opposed mm-hmm. to if I'm just going to sit at home and play for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I recall when Zina uh, and I lived together years ago for a little while. Um, and one of the things that we kind of had to negotiate was, you know, whether we're actively listening to each other playing music. Right. And, and whether that's a good thing or not, if she's like just going to pick up the guitar and, do the thing. I don't need to make a comment about it that indicates that I've been, you know, that I've been an audience in the next room, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so we kind of negotiated what was comfortable there about each other's musical habits. I can dig that. That that makes perfect sense. You had said that you didn't want to be cheesy about, you know, the, the idea of the connection to the instrument. I don't think that that's cheesy at all. Like, you know, the becoming, one with aspects of it is, you know, even even just sitting and connecting to, as, as crazy as it sounds, to my computer when I'm in the process of editing and getting in the zone there. I talk to it, you know, sometimes sometimes really sweetly, sometimes absolutely terribly, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, it becomes like an extension of what my abilities are. So sim- presumably similarly instrumentally for you. I agree with that. And uh, yes, yeah, some people, I think they hear artists and practitioners. It's common for us to say, well, I'm going to be become one with something. Mm-hmm. Most people, I guess a lot of people can hear that and they think it's, you know, just some you know, hoodoo or whatever. Sure. But it, but it really is in all that we do. I mean, when you sit in a car to drive it, uh, the objective is to become one with that vehicle. You yeah, know, and if you're you, not, you might crash it, yeah. <laughs> and if you're not, you're uh-huh. going to crash it. So, yes, there's that becoming one with things. So I could totally see you sitting down with a computer and mm-hmm. having become one to be truly engaged to uh, meet the accomplishments that you're wanting. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's so like similarly a paintbrush, presumably. But I'm curious, is it the brush? Is it the paint? Is it the canvas? Is it all of those things? It's really all of those uh, in a particular order. When I uh, 
set down at my canvas, I take a few breaths and um, mm -hmm. let myself let myself go and not think about, okay, I want this to be in the next show or the next museum or I, you know, this is, I really want to sell this painting. All these things that can go through mm -hmm. our minds. I let all of that go and I just appreciate the moment and I allow myself to just have that moment no matter what happens or even what doesn't happen. So I, mm -hmm. I, I try to get into a space where I'm not putting too much pressure on myself to paint in a certain way or in a certain time. So that's pretty much how the ritual starts. And then it starts with the mixing of paint, which I absolutely love because nice. that is like, now you're this little alchemist and you're taking these little piles of things and mixing them and forming them and getting them to the point where you can lay them on the canvas. I, I'm so into it at the point there. Sometimes I won't play any music so that mm -hmm. I can hear the brush move across the canvas. Cause I want to hear that. I want to mm -hmm. hear everything and experience everything that's happening in that moment. Yeah. Well, it's mixing paint in itself is this like, you know, intense thing that, you know, previous to the modern era of like the commercial tube of paint or whatever that we have access to now, which is great. And I'm not, I'm not denigrating that. Um, but previous to that, there were, you know, situations where people were crushing things that were poisonous and combining things that were, you know, a little bit more dangerous than we would imagine that painting is now and creating their own little, you know, almost alchemical concoctions in order to create paintings and learning about, you know, what things you can use as pigments that will last and what won't, all of those experimentations over the eras. You oh, know, and you're, you're becoming quite, quite right. Like yeah, in the days of the Renaissance. Of yeah, in the days of the Renaissance, you had to start from the ground up. It started with you uh, learning to weave linen and canvas and then hide gluing it and then gessoing it and then grinding paint. Like As you said, you couldn't go to the store and buy a tube of paint. You had to go get minerals and oils and a, and a stone and crush and uh, meld oil in with that. And like you said, many of those... Um, artists of the day suffered from the poisons, particularly lead. Uh, and mm -hmm. a lot of colors weren't even available unless uh, you had an elite uh, patron who could pay for the minerals, such as back in the day, if you saw a good, deep, rich red, that's because somebody paid for rubies to be ground into a fine dust and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there was much, much more ritual that you could not even bypass back in the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. It's I I had the uh, good fortune to be in Newfoundland this summer and and visited a place where the indigenous people that had lived there before white folks came and uh, you know eventually killed them, um, where they had dug up ochre out of the ground. So there's like you know this. Um, red color and they would use it in varying ways but also traded across the continent throughout networks and there's like ochre that was in newfoundland found traveled all across north america through trade networks and stuff like that and just the importance of that pigment to the people here and their abilities to use it in a variety of ways i found completely fascinating that that's incredible i love that mm -hmm. um 
for yourself, I noticed um, I noticed I was watching um, one of your Instagram videos the other day. Um, and, and that's definitely a place to check Zulu out because he says many great things and shares a lot of interesting stuff there. I saw your brush rack where you paint that that absolutely beautiful place where you slot in your brushes and they're all laid out for you. And it, it made me think, you know, is part of this, you know, engaging with surrounding ourselves with beautiful things and utilizing beautiful things in the act of creation. Is that part of it for you? It most definitely is. There are uh, some artists that are quite comfortable with just throwing their brushes in a jar. You've seen that many pictures of brushes just haphazardly sticking out of a there's jar. There's a jar like that right in front of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm and literally looking great, at it right now. Because uh, that's another aesthetic. I happen to be a person that really likes order and mm. well, my kind of order. And that is my brushes all perfectly in the line in the order of size from the smallest to the largest and everything really put neatly. If you were to even come to my space, you would notice that there's no paint splattered on my canvas because when I'm finished, I wipe that. I mean, on my easel, I wipe Mm -hmm. it down. It's it's my temple area, so I keep it clean. I keep it pristine. It's a place where I uh, metaphorically uh, cast off my shoes before I enter that area. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very sacred mm. place to me. Yeah, and so that con- concept of the sacred, you know, and, and not just taking that idea lightly but making it central to you know not just the way that you paint but the way that you are as a person as well it's you know when i i look at your even your appearance in general you're a very tidally oriented person in how you comport yourself and how you do fashion and stuff like that um which is a very beautiful thing and probably very affecting to the people around you i would imagine yeah, I happen to get comments about my outward appearance, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, why are you so dressed up? And my answer is always, uh, or they'll say, what are you dressed up for? And my answer is life. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just how I feel comfortable. I, I love adornment, and I, I love uh, seeing the beautiful things, being a part of the beautiful things. And I enjoy the ritual of preparing myself every day. I really do. Uh and I like to get into the details in it. Even when I shave in the morning, I use mm-hmm. a straight razor. I'm totally nice. old school. And it's not uh, the, and it's not a burden either. Some people might say, God, you could go out and get a bick and shave in like a quarter of the time you do. And I'm like, well, yeah, mm. I could. And that's great. But I enjoy uh, being slow. A lot of people have noticed I'm very slow and methodical. I'm in a crowd mm-hmm. of people. We go out somewhere. Everybody's like 10 steps ahead of me. And they're always kind of waiting for me to catch up. I, um, I'm never in a hurry. Uh, I, it's just not my style. I like to be very slow and take everything in. Hmm. Well, and it's like, these are the things that collectively add up, you know, it, it might be that shaving with that straight razor is an aspect of, everything that it is that you create right and and that that's part of how you learned how to pick up brushes and how you learned how to 
direct them in varying ways. It definitely is. There's a, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the being an artist, a visual artist, painter. I enjoy uh, exercising that eye-hand coordination, whether it comes to painting or playing an instrument or even something that people might see as mundane as shaving. Basically, getting back to what you originally talked about, I just love the rituals of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's like, so in general, you know, I'm kind of a chaotic person in some ways. And, <laughs> and sometimes my space reflects that, right? Is that uh, I'm in a wild state of, you know, just being madly in love with the forest sometimes. And I just want to come home and throw together a sandwich and run back out to the woods. And, um, you know, and every once in a while, I'll fall in love with cleaning my place and keeping order and stuff like that. And I kind of find myself wishing that I had more of that stuff that you have, which is like the the ability to savor the ritual aspects of those preparations and, and kind of create that within your space within yourself you know instead of being wild flowing robes in the woods <laughs> <laughs> well there's a time for that too uh, uh -huh. to, to just let be free and just woohoo go for it i'm sure mm -hmm. and i'm sure you enjoy that um mm. and that's what's great about our all of our different personalities such as there are other painters that don't paint methodically like me and don't paint even anywhere near the style I paint, but I'm oh, sure. still fascinated by them. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we all have our own, our, our own way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, looking at your paintings, they are exacting, especially like your work in shadow. And in particular, when I see it on people's faces, um, you know, or I'm like, I'm looking at somebody's kind of armpit right now in the shadow of the armpit is that's, very, very exacting and considered work that you're doing. And that's the time that I would imagine that you're putting into it and the, the devotion is very powerful. Yes, it, it does take quite a bit of time to paint in the style that I do. It's obviously not impressionistic. It's mm -hmm. um, not exactly photoreal, but close mm -hmm. to it. But I allow myself to to my signature to be seen. So, uh, but it is time consuming and I enjoy that. Uh, some people have asked me, God, wow, it takes that long to do one of those. Do, do, does it kind of mm. drive you crazy at some point? And I say, no, actually when I'm finished with a painting, there's a bit of a melancholy moment. It's like, sure. oh, we're, we're done. That's it. There's, and it's now it's time to, take on another lover. Mm -hmm. Okay. I guess that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and you can imagine as much as I love selling a painting. Oh, it's even worse then. It's like, uh -huh. Oh my God, I just sold my child. I'll never see them again. So I get, uh -huh. we spent weeks together. Time. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So I enjoy that time and I relish that time knowing, well, hoping that it will sell and it will be gone. So therefore I hold on to the time and the relationship that I have with that piece of work in the little bit of time that me and that painting have together. Mm -hmm. So um, you'll find me treating them very much like animate objects, not inanimate. 
and like you were saying, I talk to them. Sometimes I'll I'll come in and <laughs> a half of painting is done and I'll sit down and I, I will say, okay, okay, ladies, uh, it's been a while since we've been together, but it's time for me to get on to bringing you back to life. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'll say that kind of thing quite often. Sure. So oh, you talked about like releasing them out into the world and, and letting other people have them as, as, you know, being part of this process. Are there some that are harder than others? And, and how does that weigh for you? There are some. Um, there is some that won't happen. I have a particular portrait mm-hmm. I did of my wife. And mm-hmm. of course, for some reason, it's the one everybody wants to buy. Well, sure. it makes sense. It's the one you poured the love into. Yeah. I poured more love into that than anything. And uh-huh. people who don't even know that it's my wife, they can sense that. And they mm-hmm. always say, I want to buy that one. But that's the one that isn't for sale. So, yeah, there are some that are hard to get rid of than others, especially those that mark a particular turning point in my career where I've shifted how I used to paint to a little bit of something new. And I'm very Mm -hmm. pleased with it. That particular painting is a turning point in, in my career painting. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to keep this one. This marks, you know, a big thing, but I have to let that go. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are times when there's uh, a little bit of melancholy and letting pieces go. Yeah. Um, are you tattooing anymore? Not so much. Very mm-hmm. rarely. Uh, both careers demand a lot of time. Yeah. You can so letting go of that. And I, and I mean, I guess this is involved in you having moved to Austin and, and a, a whole bunch of different things, but just like the, the emotional aspect of letting go of that aspect of your identity, even because that's a big way that you were known in the world. Yes. Um, that was, it must uh, have been huge. That was huge. It's, it's pretty crazy when um, you've built a career and you were fortunately successful. Mm-hmm. And then there are those who seek you out and then you say, mm, I'm not really doing that right now. And then makes yeah. you examine uh, a bit of who you are, because we often allow what we do to define who we are. So I, I, I did a little bit of soul searching when I did retire. I had to ask myself, why am I retiring? And, and it played with my head for a while, especially mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, people would come to me for work. It was so strange to say no. Sure. And it I'm was sure like, like some people would be like, but please, 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 I need this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the same you're, no you're not just tattooing. Uh-huh. Yes. And when I said no in the beginning, it was it almost felt like saying, no, I'm not Roni Zulu. So I had mm. to think mm-hmm. about, well, who is Roni Zulu and and what are you – where are you going with this and why did you leave it? And does all that matter so much as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing? So I went with the, the mm-hmm. happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. And it's like, you know, it's as much as that was surely uh, massive for you over a long period of time, it seems that you've, you very much found yourself settled and, and in a very good space about, 
the work that you're doing now. Yes, I'm, I'm completely settled. I, uh, I have no desire to go back to tattooing as a full-time mm-hmm. career. And that's not out of a, any disdain of it or not mm. liking it. It's just there's a new chapter in my life that I'm really enjoying writing, reading, and and just letting myself fall into. So that's just where yeah, I am for, right now. For folks that don't necessarily know is you're also doing children's books. I'm doing that as well. Some children's books. Mm-hmm. I've released three of those. So yeah. I'm really exploring whatever creativity suits my fancy. I mean, tomorrow – you might find that I'm underwater basket weaving on my website. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and I, I just go with it. Yeah. Well, and so the decision making of all of these processes are, you know, if you look at it in a more complex way, are kind of like, you know, the the web of things that have brought you to this moment in life. And you know, the importance of ritual. Do you involve ritual in those kinds of decisions? Like, is is this a, a path that you have kind of woven in deliberate, deliberate kind of ways in a ritualistic kind of manner? Or is it, you know, that's more what takes your fancy? It's definitely a, a healthy mix of both. I, um, mm-hmm. I definitely... that healthy bit of my fancy is just listening to my gut and Mm. or or going with what I feel and not questioning it and then there's that part of me that I will sit every morning and and meditate and connect with the universe uh and just so I can be a whole with myself and a whole with everything so that I feel pure and so that Mm -hmm. I'm not lying to myself in any way or, uh, you know, doing things this way because it's popular or because someone wants it to be this way. Uh, every morning I definitely get up and shed all of that because it's even now I have no problem admitting it's easy to fall into, well, I don't paint that and I really don't care to paint that, but someone just said they would give me $10,000 if I would Mm. do this painting for them. Mm-hmm. So I have got to a point where I don't let that affect me. I can, I can now uh, easily decline a piece of work that isn't suited for me. As before, you can imagine in my starving artist days, I went crazy mm-hmm. if somebody would have uh, commissioned me and I wouldn't care what it was. But I'm fortunately in a position now I can work truly just from my heart and explain to people well, I know you would want that, but it's not my style. So it'd be a disservice to me to, you know, do something that I'm not into and definitely a disservice to you to have me do something falsely and you're not going to get the true me. Yeah. And it's, it becomes like a, what does your art mean if it's created out of that space? And and not necessarily, you know, there's there's a lot of us that are working for money in varying ways and varying times. But when you recognize that making that choice in that direction is the wrong one for you, then making it becomes even more powerfully negative, you know? 
It's almost mm-hmm. like I wish I didn't know that working for, you know, Kraft Foods International was going to uh, tarnish my mind. But now I do. And it <laughs> d- does so even more every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, it, I've gotten to a point where I'm very OK that I cannot lie to myself yeah. or really to anyone anymore. I just it's just not part of my makeup anymore. And mm. uh, if I if a situation that comes about to where it would be perceived that I missed out, I don't feel that I missed out because I never come from a place of lack. Mm. So if, if, if I allow an opportunity to go by, well, that's just fine. It doesn't mean that I'm any less or I missed out on something. It's just a decision to uh, take on something else. Sure. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, realized lately for myself, like being in a new relationship and, and uh, you know, thinking about what I want that to be, right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of exploring that and thinking about what my relationships were like before and, you know, maybe the things that I didn't do, super great. And, and I, I just decided that I'd be wide open, you know, mm. and, and just be like as honest as I can about, well, you know, this sometimes bothers me and, and, you know, here's, here's the truth about that. And, you know, here's the thing that you might not like about me. And, and I'd Mm -hmm. love to hear your thoughts on it and, and being okay with hearing somebody's thoughts about you that are also true, you know, Uh, and being okay for that little bit of an ego hit sometime or, you know, recognizing maybe that's a place where I need some work or, you know, but also preparing somebody for dealing with my bullshit. <laughs> you know. I think that's wonderful. You were not afraid to uh, engage in the ritual of that conversation, that mm-hmm. back and forth, that exploring. And uh, that, that, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's, I, I'm mean, I'm pleased with the results so far. Who knows? Yeah. She's yeah. a, yeah, she's, she's a wonderful human. Um, but to go back to that and to, to life and relationship and, and truth and ritual, you know, all of these things adding up to the sum, um, your work uh, has some profound depth to it in ways. And I, I don't like, I mean, you can look at your work and there's, there's hidden things within it, but there, there's other depths as well to your connectedness to it. And is is that coming out of your history in esoteric exploration and ritual? A good percentage of it is. Actually, a great percentage of it is. And part of it just comes out of um, the natural feeling, like I said, that connection in the universe that I just let flow through me. Because uh, all of my paintings, I would say, when I sit at that painting, there's about 90 to 95% of it that's already mapped out. I've already sketched it out. I know what it's going to look like. There's really only 5% that is open and we'll just see what happens. And that works well for me, as opposed to some uh, painters. They have to just sit with a blank canvas and just go and see what happens. But uh, my ritual, uh, the type of person I am, I love uh, to prepare for a ritual. I love to set up the candle, get the just right incense, get a a bowl of water with nice clean water from this source and so on. I love 
all of that. So uh, when I go to my painting, I've already done all of that. And now I just let things flow. At that point, I've set up the candle. And when I sit at the painting, I light the candle. And then we see what kind of light comes off of it. Well, that's wonderful. I So that 5%, do you ever get... Have you ever found yourself in the midst of it and been like, oh, wow, this is 20% this time somehow, shockingly? Or is the 5% that constrained within things? It's usually that constrained. Yeah? Oh, good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm very particular with my paintings. Very particular. mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. It's uh, I'm probably the exact opposite in numbers. <laughs> I'll go there. Well, I'll go there with 100% of a plan <laughs> and, uh, you know, and kind of clumsy my way into things and then then realize that I'm not doing at all what I thought I was. Now, that 5% is not there when I'm sketching for the painting. Now, then it's opposite. Let's say I want to do a painting right now. I'm doing a painting of the goddess Oshun. Uh, when I went into designing it, there was the 5%. I'm doing Oshun. Oshun is an Orisha, blah, 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 blah. Now what's it going to look like? What are we going to, what, what are we going to sketch? Now uh-huh. 95% is wide open. So that's when the big, wow, what am I going to do? What's it even going to look like? How, how is sure. she going to be sitting, laying? So all of that does happen. But it happens before I sit at the canvas. It happens in the sketchbook. So it is a part of the process. So your sketchbook is like looking at one of those sketches. Are they more mathematically oriented or are they more, you know, like are you creating a work in and of itself in the sketch or is it like a almost like a drafting document? That's a very good question. I like you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it when people, I love it when people ask me questions that I haven't thought about. Um, that's going to be a bit of both because uh, all of my paintings, when I start sketching and put things, even in my sketchbook, I, I tend to stick to a particular formula, uh, whether it's, some particular uh, geoma- uh, geometric formula, or if I'm trying to making sure that this painting follows the golden mean, or so on and so forth. So there is that there's that grid there that I more or less stay within, and then I get I get creative within the construct of the grid that I that I see. It's not there, but I see this grid. And I know, okay, objects need to fit within this to convey what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. Huh. So and, nothing and is placed haphazardly ever. Never, never, never. And everything in the painting is there for a reason. If there's a flower in the painting, it's not just because it's aesthetic and pretty. It's because that means something. Yeah, well, and the work that you're doing, like you said, you're doing Oshun, uh, you know, so um, 
love and rivers and water and divinity and all of this wonderful stuff and exploring all of the the symbolism within uh you know a deity mm-hmm. is a thing that you know you've done that before in your work the the depth of importance in that representation for some people mm-hmm. right for people that worship that deity specifically mm-hmm. um that's 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 a big level of responsibility to take onto your shoulders so the planning is is presumably you know part of respecting that in your it exploration of it yeah it is it's um of course i would love the painting to sell but the purpose sure. is not to exploit. Mm-hmm. So that's where uh, the respect for uh, how I approach this comes in. Yeah. And so like, you know, when you pick a subject like that, um, the learning process must be a fascinating one for you. It is. With that one for me, it's been years of, uh, because I am a practitioner of the Ifa and okay. the Nigerian uh, system. So, um, but it is quite fascinating when, let's say, I go to paint something that I'm not that familiar with. I will spend so much time researching so that I understand in my own way what I'm getting into as opposed to. Uh, painting it just because it's visually pleasing. Mm-hmm. So a respect, and it, and it's, it's kind of how I live my life. Um, everything that I do, I do my best to do with integrity. So that is also part of uh, my painting process. Mm-hmm. And those. I mean, it, it could very easily be said that you're a very serious person in in certain ways with regards to this kind of stuff. And how do you find the the flip side of the joy of it? Because you're you know you're organizing and taking on exceedingly serious subject matter both to others and to yourself, mm-hmm. but also you know you're also I can just tell by the warmth in your voice a joyous person. Right. Oh, very. Yeah, yeah. So within your work, is the is it the accomplishment, little bit by little bit, that is giving you the joy? There is that. At the end of every session, it is quite gratifying to mm-hmm. step back and to be pleased with yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's very gratifying and very joyous. And a lot of the joy does happen during the process. It's um, just the joy of sitting. My my wife knows if you hear upstairs is where my um, studio is. And I'm in here most of the time. And there's always this bright light shining out the window at night. So she's dubbed my studio, the tower. (laughs) So she said, if you ever hear opera blasting up in the tower, don't go in there. He's in his sacred moment. And that's because I'm really in a place of joy that I, I at that point, I do not want to share with anyone. That it's sure. me and my painting. It's very personal. And I, I that gives me joy that I have found 
this that wells up so much happiness in me. And like I said, I find joy in just hearing the brush move across the canvas sometimes or uh, just watching the paint, uh, you know, the yellow uh, mixed with the blue and then just all of a sudden starts to turn green. Hmm. I allow myself to be fascinated. I'm very childlike, very childlike. And I absolutely 100% bring the child to that uh, table. And boy, does he have fun with big eyes and just watching color and things happen. So that's where I find the joy. I, I just let the child in me just go bananas and soak it all in. Nice. Well, and you get to carry that out into the world, right? It's like not just the joy, but also the peace. Yes. Uh-huh. Very much so. It's uh... I'm like that in every day. I'll, I'll watch. Uh, the other day I watched it's fall and leaves are starting to fall from the tree. Mm-hmm. And I happened to watch one leaf fall the other day. And it seemed like it took a half an hour for that leaf to fall because I watched it and I saw the sun hit various angles of it and the colors change while it floated and all of this. I, I tell you, you were you would think I was high <laughs> most of the time that you saw me walking around in the world because it's like a kid walking around going, look at that. Oh my God, look at that. I, I don't, I, I tend to not let novelty wear off of, of the world that I live in. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is high. High, high, and and really like wonderful, not relent. I I tend to look at drugs as things that can bring about states that we can bring about ourselves, right? Yes. And um, you know, and we need those for varying reasons. And every once in a while, personally, I need a a little something, something. But I oh, can yeah. usually do the something, something better myself. Mm-hmm. Um, in those wonderful moments of like of fascination, in particular, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I can experience these these wild rushes of pure joy just by fascination like you'd had with the leaf Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh i I hear you on that one (laughs) yeah and and i uh yeah and i hope that that's so for everyone i it's a friend taught me a thing years ago and it's it keeps coming up in in my mind so I'll, i'll i'll tell you about it um he one day looked at me and said, have you ever just let yourself shiver? You know? Hmm. And I, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Yeah, I've shivered. Whatever. We all shiver. Fuck off. This is nothing. <laughs> you're, you're telling me silliness. You're just filling the air with noise. You know, he's like, no, 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 really. Have you ever just like, when you shiver, you probably clamp down a little bit. Have you ever let go? Well, hmm. what a thing. What a thing to release yourself from the ideas that we might have of like, you know, going, you know, and really feeling a shiver and letting it out because once you let it go, you have no control over it. Right. So there's this control thing that's Mm. keeping us from the wonderful joy of fully experiencing a shiver and letting our body do. That's awesome. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to turn down the thermostat and see. <laughs> I'm going to walk outside in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I want to spray, <laughs> spray a little water on my chest. Yeah, <laughs> you got me curious now. I want some uh, of that. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's it as it turns out, you get better at it, and but so there's a dangerous line that you cross where 
you're going to be sitting beside somebody someday and your brain isn't going to think, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? You're just going to be like, oh, <laughs> not quite orgasmic, but a little bit in that direction. <laughs> yeah, you could attract a little attention. <laughs> exactly. You know, somewhere on the subway and it's just like, it's a little too cold today. I guess it's like holding in a sneeze or really letting it go. Yeah. And I mean, it's hopefully you don't do any mental. Choke to sneeze because we're like, oh, I've got to sneeze. And you hear people go, mm-hmm. as opposed to a big achoo. The achoo is pretty awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's what sneezes are for. Get that stuff out. Just right? not on somebody. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, these things that happen in our minds and in our bodies are beautiful, wonderful things. And, and, and sometimes us feeling self-conscious about them because we've created this complicated society uh, that's told us a whole bunch of cultural things. And you know, maybe we need to just kind of ease up on ourselves a little bit and breathe a little bit more. Yeah, Definitely. I've I've had someone ask me, uh, someone, they were just curious because they were looking at all kinds of art. And I think they came from a museum or an art show where pretty much all the art was political, which is needed in the world. And then someone said, I, I noticed you never do political artwork based on, you know, this problem of the world or that problem of the world. And I said, you know what? I leave that to other people because I, I paint what's beautiful, and and that that's my thing. Now there have to be those warriors on the front line that battle against quote unquote evils, but uh, I'm the type. My part is I believe that the only way that I can get rid of ugliness is to show and overcome it with beauty. So. That's what I paint. I want to show people how beautiful they are. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I just a thought, I think of that as political. Oh, you know, okay. it, it's not necessarily an argument about abortion or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, these these things that are these important transmissions that we can make between each other and the ways in which we communicate, it's all political in in a way, right? Yeah, no, you're doing right. doing politics in your own beautiful, wonderful way, and 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 making change in people's. Well, it's like you can give people freedom with beauty, right? yes. even if it's even if it's just while they're transfixed. You know, you're creating that leaf in the park that you saw for mm-hmm. someone else. You know, letting those little chemicals in their brain go off just like yours did. I hope that's what's happening out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a wonderful gift. It's I I think let's let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight to uh, have this conversation. Um well, I've absolutely enjoyed your company and thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Zena and I I'll quickly let you know. Zena and I are going to pass through Austin sometime in the next couple of months. So maybe Uh-oh. we'll take you out for a coffee. A coffee and who knows, maybe a tattoo. Oh, I would, I would let you give me my first tattoo for sure. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you. My heart rejoices.